Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome to episode 105 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. I am very excited about today's conversation. Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite sex therapy interventions that I use with lots of couples in my practice. If you you work with me in the past, you know that this is one of the, the one that kind of a very magical intervention as far as the results that the kind of techniques are simple, which is a bonus. But if you stay with it, if you're applying it correctly, you can see great transformation in your sex life. So the technique I'm talking about is sensate focus therapy. And I'm very excited to have Linda Weiner, licensed clinical social worker in our show. The reason I invited her in the show is because she was trained by Master and Johnston Institute, which are the founder of this strategy. I don't know, like when I say Masters and Johnsons, many people know them from uh, Masters of the Sex uh, TV series. So if you have watched the show, you probably have seen them talking about this uh, intervention. So Dr. Linda Weiner, LCSW, she is uh, in practice more than 25 years working with individuals and couples, intimacy and relationship concerns. She's trained and employed for five years by world-renowned Masters and Johnson's Institute. She's also is an adjunct professor at Brown School at Washington University and is a guest lecturer at Washington University School of Medicine. She's a wonderful trainer as well. She trains many of the thera- therapists in applying these uh, techniques and strategies. So without further ado, here's my interview with Linda Weiner. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am very honored and excited to have Linda Weiner, MSW, LCSW, co-director of Institute for Sexual and Relationship Therapy and training on our show today. Linda, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. That's a mouthful, isn't it? So we say (laughs) I-S-S-R-T. Yes, but we wanted to emphasize we do counseling and training uh, both. And those are both missions of our organization, Dr. Avery Clark and I. Wonderful. And I... Before, like we started talking today, I was doing some research about the background, and it seems that you worked extensively and provided training extensively in the areas that we're going to talk about today. Uh, so we're going to talk about sensate focus, mm-hmm. and this is one of my favorite strategies. <laughs> and I think every therapist, sex therapist, or non-sex therapist needs to be familiar with it. And there is an element of mindfulness associated to that. So I'm kind of curious to hear about how did you get interested in this specific strategy and technique? Okay, very, uh, very interesting history. So I did some training, a six-month training, and then I worked at Masters and Johnson Institute. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, they're the sex therapy gurus. They invented sex therapy. I just happened to wind up in St. Louis and applied and okay. (laughs) So that started my history. So uh, it was through them, uh, they invented the sensate focus touching technique. Mm -hmm. And how they invented it is kind of an interesting story. 
they uh, asserted that a lot of people who were sexually functional didn't have a lot of anxiety that interfered with their sexual function, either their sexual interest or their sexual ability to get aroused. And so what they did is think about a way to help couples who had sexual dysfunctions to deal with that anxiety. And Virginia Johnson of Masters and Johnson remembered a technique that her mother used on her to comfort her by tracing her face Mm. repeatedly. When she was a little girl, she calmed her by tracing her face. And what we know with Sensei Focus is it's based on touching the other person's body or touching your own body in a way that helps to center you, your physical experience, and helps to bring comfort. Touch equals comfort. As we know regarding touch, it's the most primal need that we human beings have. So combining that understanding of the need for touch and the effect that touch has on relaxation and the fact that when you do the sensate focus touching, it helps you and your partner relax, be in your body. And so they worked with this, invented this for people who had sexual difficulties to help them relax and feel connected. It's a beautiful and simple way to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting that it's one of those strategies when people are on board with it, they see results. I don't know any other kind of intervention or strategy that's as reliable as this one. So for our listeners that they're not familiar with it, can you briefly tell us what would that entail? Okay, great. So initially, once you have a couple whose relationship doesn't feel dangerous, you know, obviously, you're not going to give this very, this assignment yet to couples who are very much attacking each other, you're going to work with the relationship and communication skills and all of the skills that healthy couples need, but you don't have to have perfection because once you give them this sensate focused touching, which starts out with no breasts and genitals, it actually helps them feel more connected and fight less. And the toothpaste tube doesn't matter quite as much because you're getting love. Okay. And you're getting touched without any pressure. You know, many women can relate to this because I do have a lot of women who have low desire and they, there's a difference between in heterosexual couples. Uh, men tend to get aroused more quickly, and women need more connection to their partners sometimes, at least neutrality. They need more touch that doesn't go sexual. They need uh, 20 minutes of tactile stimulation before they even know if they have an appetite. Right. So even for couples that don't have a sexual problem, it really slows everything down. Because most women say... What I was the most aroused is when, before we started being sexual together, when we were just kissing and making out and we weren't going any farther. And it's all about touch and relaxation with touch before we go on to the next stage. So we start with couples who need some help with their communication. And then we give them very basic instructions. And they're basic, but they're so different than what we've been taught. So we ask them to get nude as nude as possible. Sometimes they start in their underwear or their pajamas. Sometimes they start on the couch. Sometimes they start just doing sensate focus touching on themselves. Mm -hmm. But in general, they start touching one another, your turn, my turn, using their hands and fingers, Mm -hmm. focusing on what they feel as far as these neutral, non-evaluative things. Temperature, where are my partner's body? Is he or she warmer? Where is he or she cooler? Mm -hmm. Texture. What is the texture of the skin versus the texture of the hair on various parts of the body? 
And then the third is pressure. When I touch my partner with a firmer touch versus a lighter touch, does that feel different to me? So you'll notice that it's non-evaluative, uh, not good or bad, just what it is. And there's no expectation that it'll even be pleasant or that they'll want to do it. It's just we begin where you are and for you. The radical part of this is all of us have been taught that we're supposed to touch the other person, to do something to them, to get them ready, interested, you know? And so, you know, there's, there's that checkout line that says, you know, how to drive them wild in three minutes. <laughs> okay. The truth of the matter is nobody gets aroused by being worked on. Right. <laughs> you, get aroused, you get aroused by being able to shut down your head be in your body experience and bring yourself back from any distractions. Did I turn off the you know, washing machine or whatever it is? To bring yourself back to something neutral, which is the temperature, texture, pressure. And what happens is in this first stage where no breasts and genitals are touched and you don't have to like it or want to do it or you don't have to respond to make your partner feel good, uh, it reduces all the pressure, it reduces all the anxiety and what happens is it opens a natural gateway to arousal to happen. Maybe not on the first time or the second time, but once they are able to do this and really get this idea of touching for themselves, focusing on sensations and bringing themselves back from distractions, once they get that, we move on to the next stage of sensate focus, which is uh, including breasts or genitals or both, okay, depending upon the couple and individualizing what they need. So now they have a practice in managing anxiety and expectation when the sexy parts are touched, okay? Right. And learning to do that, not by finally being able to touch the sexy parts and staying with them, but a whole body experience where the partner continues to touch for themselves, even including these breasts and genitals. Mm -hmm. And so they manage anxiety about that. And if they're uncomfortable, they're permitted to move their partner's hand. So their mission is to protect the partner from doing anything uncomfortable, not at this point, hey, touch me here, I like it this way. Right. That's actually something maybe Dr. Aver Clark will talk about next time, okay. Sensei Focus 2, and how once you've worked with a sexual difficulty, then you can transition to, okay, how are we going to beef it up, make it more interesting, erotic, transcend? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, getting back to the hierarchy, after breasts and genitals, we might have them touch mutually, which at the same time, which include, which uh, tends to, how should we say, make it more like double stimulation, okay? So quite often arousal kicks through at this point, and then moving to a stride position where the partners go astride one another and have genital to genital contact. And if a couple wishes to have intercourse and they're heterosexual, one partner would get astride the other and insert and then just experience what vaginal containment or anal containment feels like in terms of a relaxed state and a, a sense of, uh, how should we say, eroticism. Right. Eventually come from that. So, yeah, it's a structured series of touching exercises. Yeah. And what I really like about it, the focus is uh, each person is focusing on themselves. You know, yeah. I want to give people like, this homework, they say, oh, it's such a, a like a, a comfort and realization that I don't, I don't need to kind of constantly say kind of moan and show that I love it. Every person is kind of focusing on what they need and how does it feel like without having any expectations. You mentioned yeah. that, oh, this touch needs to make me wild or mm -hmm. this is kind of need to be part of my erotic template. 
everyone is kind of like tuning in into their body. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like being a two-year-old, you know, how they experience wow. everything for what it is and like, wow, you know, it's more about rediscovering. Mm-hmm. Some people will say, well, I've touched my partner thousands of times. I can tell you everything about them. And then mm-hmm. they come back. I didn't know they had this like ganglia on their ankle. You know, uh-huh. wow, that was cool. Tell me about that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's so interesting. Even couples that they've been together for decades, when we're talking about it in the session, they say, oh, I didn't know this was a turn on for me. And I loved it when he did that or she did that. And the other part of it, which I love is like kind of help people to slow down because big part of people's struggle these days is they just, they have this expectation that we have like 10 minutes for sex. I have to be on in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's very uh-huh. unrealistic for Men and women, I think like both parties can be kind of struggling. And I hear like sometimes when I tell people like, just go through this kind of sensate focus stages, even that intervention on its own can resolve many of the challenges. Exactly. Because research indicates that when we touch and we get involved in a mindfulness practice, which is tuning in on the sensations. Mm -hmm. So when that happens, we put ourselves in a relaxed state and all of the worries and jumbles and whatever and what we know is the brain functions better when you turn it off like a computer and then you turn it back on okay to the left side of the brain or the intellectual part of us but sex and sensuality is about being in the moment about experience it's not about doing which is touching the massage someone touching for the other it's about being and being in touch with you it also is a very potent kind of helper in terms of, all right, what's exactly going wrong? Let's say the the, uh, man has problems with ED and Mm -hmm. in the sensate focus, he is, you know, you've given him one suggestion, but he's uh, got an erection and he's going to try to use it when he's got it. And that, aha, so that's the pattern of Mm -hmm. rushing to use it that you're now Mm -hmm. illustrating in the sensate focus Mm -hmm. that gets in the way because when you are rushing to use it, you're not in the moment, Mm -hmm. you're anxious and you're watching your penis Mm -hmm. and so of course it's not going to work okay let's try that again now that i understand by the way that you approach the sensei focus how you might tend in the past to have approached sexual interactions so it helps you also diagnose where the problem is right that is so important and you know what's interesting that this masters and johnson's techniques been around for a while and we recently just got this surge of studies on mindfulness and i know dr Lori broto she did studies on sexuality and low desire and mindfulness and it's wonderful that they came up with the strategy way before like we had these research yes exactly and so that's kind of interesting that they found that there's a sort of a, a therapeutic joke that there's many kinds of therapies it just depends on where on the elephant you're looking. (laughs) But all of them work, and they work for very similar reasons. You know, as you look back on this, what used to be called a behavioral technique, Mm -hmm. you know, the sensate focus touching, you realize it's behavioral. Mm -hmm. It's also cognitive because you help them think about something other than their worried thoughts. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's also mindfulness because not only are they not worrying, they're also focusing inward. Okay. Mm -hmm. And also you're in your body instead of in your head, which is a necessary component. And so that's somatic therapy. So any good therapy usually has components of these elements. And so it's, it is kind of amazing. Masters and Johnson were able to come up with this. And Lori Brado confirms mm-hmm. that she did an all, a very interesting study also about 
inclusive sensate focus with uh, women who had pain and right. uh, sensate focus touching helps with pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very potent and primal thing to work through touch. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I think like mindfulness, it's one of those strategies that anyone can use. Like whoever comes to my practice, one of the things that I give people homework for because I'm more cognitive behavioral therapy is practicing mindfulness, even yeah. if it's five minutes. But I'm kind of curious, who are specifically you feel can, as with the population that struggle with sexual dysfunction, who are some of the people that they can specifically benefit from using Sensate Focus? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. It's got a very wide distribution, I think, of usefulness. It works for people who maybe have had a sexual trauma mm-hmm. and they might start with Sensate Focus kind of tuning into themselves because as we know, one of the things that Uh, trauma survivors do is they might be out of their bodies. So it helps them learn to be in their bodies. It helps them become comfortable or approach comfortability in a successive approximation kind of way before we involve any partner uh, sexual interaction. So it's useful for trauma survivors. It's useful in that regard. Let's say a woman has had breast cancer and has had a double mastectomy and has body image difficulties now. So individual sensei focus to start with can be very good at helping her reconnect to her body and seeing it as a her friend again and learning to focus on what there is, uh, so to speak, for her. It's useful for people with sexual difficulties because it teaches the magic formula, if you will, that Masters and Johnson discovered with sexually functional people. Mm-hmm. That is that magic formula of touching for self, focusing on sensations and bringing yourself back from distractions. It works for allied, uh, allied health professionals can use this. Like mm-hmm. uh, if, so, if a woman goes to a pelvic floor specialist mm-hmm. for uh, difficulties with pain or maybe she has vaginismus, this can be part of an adjunct to do self-sensate focus, teach herself to relax and be in her body, do this with her partner, mm-hmm. and do this maybe ahead of trying to work with the dilators uh, mm-hmm. if they're going to work on their own. So it's uh, useful for allied health professionals. And uh, there, uh, there is a growth of, as you know, sexual medicine providers. Uh-huh. So uh, what we know is some of the studies indicate the biopsychosocial together works better than either medical intervention or necessarily psychotherapy and sensate focus. Right. So it works for physicians. It can be used by couples on their own if they know the basic information. One of these days, there'll be a YouTube or something. <laughs> And I think uh, I, I really like that you were talking about people can start it by themselves on like solo practicing it solo because I know historically like the older kind of suggestion was like you're always doing it with a partner. Mm-hmm. How, what are some of the modifications that you recommend for people who are want to kind of practice it alone? Well, you mean as two therapists? Or just a person on herself or himself? Is that possible? Uh, yes, you can get somewhere on your own but obviously at some point if you want sexual relatedness with someone you'll have to uh, work with them a little bit so with men with let's say rapid ejaculation Mm -hmm. they can come they can do some exercises on their own for body awareness self-sensate focus and maybe this technique called the stop start where they begin to work on the problem on their own but at some point they're going to have to work with their partner in terms of dealing with the tension and anxiety of working with another person, uh, where maybe there had been some dynamic of, oh my gosh, I don't want to disappoint my partner again and rapidly ejaculate. So 
at some point, partners are involved. Uh, you know, what's the sound of one hand clap? <laughs> that is true. And I, and I think you're right. It's like at times there's another level of anxiety when there's another person involved. And we want to make sure that people are prepared for having successful partner sex, if that's what something they want. And yeah. that would kind of provide them opportunity to mm-hmm. practice that. Yes. But good, good, how should we say, good self-love, good self-awareness, good body mindfulness is good in and of itself in reducing stress and increasing health benefits. All of that is, is, as we know, good for oneself. And I think in this age and time that everyone kind of involved with your computer and with kind of technology and stuff, touch is something that's missing in many of adults' life. Mm-hmm. And I think even kind of like, Doing kind of like doing the touching part can create some anxiety. Oh yes. What are some of the suggestions you have around that the people are very uncomfortable with touch, but they want to give this a shot. Mm-hmm. Very uncomfortable with touch because maybe they've done self stimulation because there's some social anxiety. Maybe they've used porn quite a bit, and it's easier because there's only you, and you don't have to please anyone. Uh, so with this kind of individual, I might suggest that they ratchet that down and do the touching a couple of times a week and manage the anxiety they have in working with a partner. You know, if you don't have some kind of sexual contact on a weekly basis, anxieties come come up and then avoidance patterns begin. And then it's easier to go to self-stimulation than it is partner stimulation. But once a couple stops sharing sexual connection, their bonding diminishes, they can find themselves disconnected emotionally and affectionately over time. And that's when I often see couples coming in when the kids are raised and they look at each other and go, you know, we've been parents and we haven't been lovers for quite some time. That's another large portion of the the people I see who have fallen out of connection. But yes, we have so many ways to be stimulated and so many diversions that it's hard for us to relax. We are constantly bombarded with things. So just a couple taking these two scheduled times a week mm-hmm. where they turn off the computers, they turn off the phones, they t- and they just go back to old times, you know, before we were bombarded and learn to relax again and relax with each other again. Mm-hmm. And I think one other part of things that's very important, and I was like seeing that you were you talked about it in the past, is about how, you know, emotional connection and kind of getting touch is different than necessarily getting sexual with someone because I know some of my female clients they're kind of avoiding touch because their fear is if we start like holding hand or kind of like touching each other it's going to lead to sex and my desire might not be there or I'm tired or anything like that and they kind of lose the opportunity of the connection that real touch creates mm-hmm. absolutely and so what we what we say to them is, okay, that's completely normal and understandable. So what we'd like you to do is say to your partner, hey, I want to kiss and cuddle and mess around a little bit, but I need to know that that'll be okay if I just need to stop there, rather than the old pattern might have been deep sighs, inadvertent or on purpose guilt induction, or knowing that they're hurting the partner and feeling guilty about it. So there's all these horrible dynamics. So unless I and this is particularly true of women, unless I want to go in for the whole thing, because I know he's easily aroused if we're in a heterosexual relationship or even a, any other relationship where people are have a high sex drive, they're going to get easily turned on. They're going to want to go further. 
but the slowing up and the safety of stopping. So saying ahead of time, this is what I'm into. Is that okay? And getting a partner to say, well, you know, it's not my finest, but if we're going to get there this way, sure. <laughs> right. And I think people might get a pleasantly surprised because with response mother of arousal, response mother of arousal, we know that many people, when they kind of get in, uh, start with the foreplay, they, their desire might resurface or not, but at least you are connecting with your partner in a real way. And I think it's important to kind of broaden our definition of intimacy. And I think like touching can be a great way of being intimate with someone else. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, oftentimes people think they want sex. And this can be true in particular of men uh, because being sexual is a way of being manly. But touching is kind of something you do to get if you have a partner that needs a warm up. That's what you do to warm up your partner. It's sort of like, OK, well, can we get to the good stuff now? And when, what they discover through Sensei Focus is, oh, my word, when you slow up, there's so much more territory of uh, electricity and sensation. And what I really need is to feel close and connected. And then even for a lot of men, being able to store up some sexual tension for the next time means that when they do have an opportunity, which is anytime apart from Sensei Focus, they can do what they want. Right. But in Sensei Focus, we have to be clear and uh, not go further. And what they find is it stores up a lot of sexual tension for both of them. And they want to. So it's kind of a money in the bank thing. You know, do you want a really sexually involved partner or do you want somebody kind of going through the motions with you more frequently because they can't say no <laughs> kind of thing? And that is so interesting because I emphasize whenever I give the Sensate Focus homework to couples that you, you're not going to be intimate, like sexually intimate. You're not going to have intercourse. That, that's where things are. And they find like this kind of sexual charge uh, like during the exercise and it helps them long term. I mean, I, sometimes I put people under sexual break <laughs> and even that, that's helpful if you're kind of like, pausing for a week or so. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. Especially where there's been a pattern of one person having a high sex drive and the other person with a lower sex drive giving in and being sexual in ways that they aren't really into because for one reason or another. And then instead of it being a pleasurable experience, it gets encoded as a have to and they lose any desire that they used to have. So the idea is you work with helping this one create desire, the one with lower desire, and the one with higher desire, you know, kind of takes care of themselves with self-stimulation if they need to. But the idea of pressuring the partner for sex over the years causes the partner with low sex to have even less sexual interest. Right. right. Breaking I, that is very important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like people getting stuck in that decades caused them like they're stuck in this pattern for years and decades. It kind of caused this other issues. It impacts the relationship and everything outside the bedroom at times. So it's important to kind of try something different as, as you were telling us. Mm -hmm. Yes. So many times I'll hear uh, women say who have a lower sex drive and their husband who they love in every other way. And they'll say, he doesn't say anything to me about it, but I can see that when he tries and he gets rejected again, uh, he kind of withdraws. And he, you know, I ask him what's wrong and he says nothing, but we both know what's wrong and we both feel terrible. Mm -hmm. So what a way to break that pattern to come in and have sensate focus where uh, it's agreed that you're not going to go further mm -hmm. than that at any particular time. I really recommend that everybody try it. It's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> right no I agree with you I mean like it's a 
mindfulness 2.0 <laughs> because then people doing kind of breathe focusing on the breathing sometimes mm-hmm. they find it boring they like you know they feel like i don't want to do it but if you're kind of like focusing on touch it might be easier i think it's important to give it thought so you bring up an important point which is if you're doing a mindfulness practice you could focus in on a sound like an ohm you could focus in on something visual like a flame you could focus in on something kinesthetic like your breath or you could focus in on touch sensations so it's just the route what you are paying attention to that you get lost in right rather than uh, uh, you know that they're all mindfulness practices just different avenues through different senses to get there so that is wonderful so- yeah you know I, I can talk about it for hours and I'm excited about future episodes that we're going to have Dr. Avery on our show, Avery Clark. Am I saying it right? Avery Clark, uh-huh. <laughs> yes. But I want to make sure that our listeners, they know how to get hold of you because I know you wrote about this topic expen- extensively, uh-huh. you give trainings, and there are not that many people who have the background and experience that you have in this area. So what mm-hmm. would be the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you? So we have a website, it's www.isrtt, that's the Institute for Sex and Relationship Therapy and Training, isrtt.org is our website, and it, it contains, can I do my book promo? Our yes, book please, promo? go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, that's on my list, I want to get it. The reviews said they have beautiful images in it too. Yes, it, it's got some uh, images of the positions that couples would assume. Also for therapists, it's terrific because it lists the uh, resistances to sensate focus people might have. You know, some therapists say, oh my gosh, I tried it, but they won't do it. So in the book uh, are eight common resistances to doing sensate focus and how to deal with them. So we wanted to make it a very practical book. And our website has a listing of the articles we've published and uh, some helpful resources and a little bit about our training program and supervision. So if people are interested in signing up for our newsletter, we'll keep you posted. So just go to www.issrt.org. Perfect. Perfect. I'll leave it in the show notes. If guys, like, you know, sometimes it's hard to uh, take notes when you're listening. So if you're interested, go ahead and click it on the show notes and I'll make sure that we have the link to the book as well. And I'm very excited about it. Yes. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Thank you so much for being on the show. All righty. Bye now. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Linda about Sensate Focus Therapy. And if you want to understand and learn more about specific of this intervention, it's very important to get some training in it or read the book that she published or kind of like look into getting more information about this strategy and intervention. Hopefully in future episode, we can have her co-director in her institute, Dr. Avery Clark, to talk to us further about this strategies. And I think You know, it's interesting that it's, again, one of the strategies that I see many people with many presenting problems can get results from it when it applied correctly. When I consult with other therapists, because I do it on a regular basis, I talk to other therapists who are not sex therapists about their clients and the challenges that they have. Usually one of the first thing I recommend them is like introducing this intervention to 
their clients. Anyhow, at the end, I wanted to remind you guys that right now we are offering online therapy and coaching for people all around the globe. So if you're not living in the United States and you want to get some information and work done around your sexual health, sexual wellness, you need a few sessions of coaching, you can go to our website and book an appointment there. And we have a range of different times that you can book. All right. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.